my mother passed away two years after I retired and I needed an outlet. I needed something to do aside from taking medication to balance and manage my grief and depression. So I turned to running. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 93. Today, I have a first. I have a mother-son duo. They call themselves Team Culberson. My mother, Dr. Patrice Culberson, began her fitness journey shortly after she enlisted in the U.S. Army. She joined a proud group of servicemen and women in her unit, who exceeded the maximum points required to earn the infamous Army Badge for Physical Fitness Excellence. Her love for health and fitness resulted in a nomination and selection by her leadership to attend a newly developed health and fitness program for the U.S. Army. Following intensive physical and academic training, she earned the title of Master Fitness Trainer for the U.S. Army. Throughout her career, she taught physical fitness training and oversaw the Army Physical Fitness Test. While stationed in Turkey, she completed her first half marathon at the age of 27. She was humbled by the experience and quickly realized that although she can run two miles Two miles was very different from a half marathon. The humbling experience was the first step in her multi-sports endurance journey. It took a while for her to start running again. Following her retirement, she decided not to run. She got tired of the PT tests and the physical requirements in the military. She gradually returned to a running after the birth of her son. Unfortunately, she tragically lost her mother. And in search of holistic methods to manage her depression, she turned to meditation and running. We have that in common. In 2017, she started her multi-sports journey with her first indoor trial. She progressed to doing several sprints 370.3 Ironman race and one full distance, 140.6 Ironman race. Julian Culberson, or Jules, was born in Germany while his mother was serving in the U.S. Army. And his father actually played overseas in a basketball club. His whole life, he's known fitness to be the norm. As a child, he played soccer as well as basketball. When he moved to Texas, he started playing football. He played offense as well as defense. Unfortunately, he had a chronic injury and he no longer could play football. He started swimming. He tried out for his 
freshman high school team and made it. Not only did he swim on the swim team, he noted the significant underrepresentation in the swim community and accepted a position to give swim lessons to young children, making a personal commitment to ensure that African-American children were well-trained in basic swim techniques. He also served as a swim team coach for a local swim club in Texas. While swimming did not replace his love for football, soccer, and basketball, he was proud to make a presence in an underrepresented sport. Ultimately earning the position as a team co-captain, during his four years on the swim team, he played water polo and he actually competed in a triathlon during his off-season. In 2017, Jules joined his mother for an indoor triathlon. The following years, he supported his mother as a Sherpa as she trained for and completed in her three Ironman 70.3s as well as her Ironman full distance race. Witnessing the journey up close and personal sparked his curiosity. He decided to compete in more triathlons. He did two sprints and then he progressed to the 70.3 alongside his mother. The mother-son team, affectionately known as Team Culberson, successfully completed Ironman North Carolina 70.3 in October of 2022. Please welcome both of them to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for, having well, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Let's just start with what started your fitness journey, Patrice? Well, for me, my fitness journey started when I joined the military. I enlisted in the military just under 18, but I went to training at 18 years old. You know, I fell in love with the way that my body felt after the training, and I wanted to maintain that um, going forward. So what made you join the military at such a young age? I'm so old right now. Let me think, why did I join? Okay. <laughs> like many others, I joined just because I wanted to do something different with my life. And at the time, you know, being 17, 18, I just was uncertain about, you know, where I want to go, what my future looked like. So my family is a military family and I just followed suit. But I was the only female or girl in my family to join the military. So was your dad in the military? You said your family? My stepdad served in the military. My grandfather served in the military as well. Okay. So outside of a basic training, I know it involves a lot of running. Is that correct? <laughs> a lot of running, push-ups, and everything under the sun. <laughs> but you went above and beyond, I guess, the, the points that you need to earn the uh, badge of fitness. Is that correct? Yes, yes. What I found when I went to training was it, it came easy. I don't I don't know why it came easy for me, but part of it was I, I just enjoyed the challenge. And um, when I found out that there was a thing called the Army, you know, Fitness Badge of Excellence or APFT Badge of Excellence, I started to work toward, you know, getting that badge and, and joining that select group of soldiers in my unit to be a part of that group. So what does that entail? So for the military, it's changed a lot. I've been retired for 15, 16 years now. But back when I was in, you had to meet minimum requirements doing the push-ups, sit-ups, and a two-mile run. So 
in lieu of meeting those minimum requirements, you can get you can max out at 300 points. So in order to receive the badge, you had to have 300 points or more. So my goal if the minimum requirement was for a female of my age to do 20 push-ups in two minutes. I work toward exceeding that to get the maximum amount of points you can for doing the maximum amount of push-ups. Um, ultimately, you know, getting 300 plus and earning the badge. So after you got that badge, you were nominated to be in a leadership program. Is that correct? I was nominated um, by my leadership to join the Master Fitness Trainers Program for the U.S. Army. So what does that entail? Ooh, it entails a little bit of everything. So when I, again, I'm kind of old school. Um, when I joined, I believe it was the second or third year of the Master Fitness Program. And I think it's been renamed a couple of times and it was even defunct for a couple of years and the Army brought it back. But what it did, it entailed academic training where you learned about the physiology of the body. You learned every bone in the body, how the body functions um, internally and externally. In addition to that, we work with other trainers to develop fitness programs for Army soldiers. So is that how you got your love of fitness? Did you start running more than your two miles? What got you into endurance or multi-sport racing? Was That was the start, but what piqued your interest to continue and to explore other things? I think that had a lot to do with my, my fitness journey. And like I said, just starting off with basic training and loving the way that my body how I felt and how I performed mentally and physically by staying healthy and staying in shape. I think that the master fitness trainer just added to my desire to stay healthy for myself and my desire to help others stay healthy and just stress the importance of physical fitness beyond just being a service member. When did you start doing more endurance races, more running more than two miles, doing 5Ks and 10Ks and marathons? Well, I actually went out on a limb while I was deployed in Turkey many years ago, and I was a fitness instructor there. So I was a, a an aerobics instructor for the Army for several years. So while deployed there, they had a half marathon. And me thinking I'm a superstar, not really running beyond probably five miles, I went out and ran the half marathon. So you just went from five miles to, to 13 miles without really any training? <laughs> I did. I, okay. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not proud of that today. Okay. But, um, <laughs> it was a lesson learned because I actually ended up in the emergency room. Oh, no. What happened? I was just exhausted. I suffered from heat exhaustion. In Turkey, it's very warm. And, you know, young, naive runner or athlete or soldier, you know, we think we can do anything and everything. So, I went out and ran and probably didn't hydrate well. And about seven o'clock that evening, I was nauseous and everything else under the sun. And I remember I ended up in the emergency room. So lesson learned, you don't go from five miles to a half marathon without training. <laughs> so after the first half marathon, were you hooked? I mean, did you feel like, let me do this again, but train for it? You know, actually, I, I was not. I was not hooked at all. I mean... <laughs> That was a near-death experience. So <laughs> I continue to excel in the military and, you know, running the, going well on my PT test. But truthfully, it wasn't until after I had my son in 1999, I created a group in Germany where women would get together and we would just kind of run moms with strollers, so on and so forth. Um, I think I was probably one of the first groups that had that running buggy where you push your kids 
So he was three weeks old and I was cleared to run. So I threw him in the buggy. People thought I was crazy. And I started running again. And from that point on, running just became a part of who I was. I quickly lost my baby weight and I just felt amazing internally and externally. It really helped with my mental health and postpartum depression. But as far as really getting into running the distances, that wasn't until years later when my, my mother passed away in 2010, tragically. When I retired from the military in 2007, I didn't want to run. I didn't want to do anything. I was kind of burnt out from, from everything I had done for 20 years. But my mother passed away two years after I retired and I needed an outlet. I needed something to do aside from taking medication to balance and manage my grief and depression. So I turned to running. Okay. We had that in common. My mother passed away in 2008 and I was depressed and gained a lot of weight and running was kind of my refuge. I was trying to lose weight, but it became a lot more help with my mental health. You know, I didn't want to um, own it in initially, but I was battling you know, the grief and the depression. And I found that, you know, getting up early in the morning when the world was still, I found peace in just running in the morning, watching the sun come up. And it, it helped me overcome that depression and, and that grief. So how long was it between your first half marathon and when you picked it up again? Like how many years was it? Ooh. You're talking about from the near-death experience to I ran again? <laughs> it was many years. I'm guessing 15, 15 to 20 years before I really got into it. It was a long time. And so after you started running then, you up and started racing and you were involved in other groups. You said you started a mother's group. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. So I started running locally here in the DFW Metro, uh, Metroplex. And I joined Moms on the Run and a variety of clubs just to, you know, just to stay motivated and encouraged. And really it was for accountability, you know, getting out there and, and meeting folks and coming out of my bubble that I was in from, you know, my, my mother's passing. Like I said, I joined groups. And before I knew it, I was running a half marathon a month. I was you know, running 50Ks and 50 milers and doubling up, you know, doing the 10K one day and the half the next day or 50 miler one day and a half the next day. You've done 50 half marathons. Is that correct? Yes. You know, I don't know my total count. I think it's it's probably over that, but I know that I've done at least 50. <laughs> okay. How many marathons have you done? Do you have, you have, do you have a count? Or? I think I've only done three Okay. Um, full marathons. I stopped keeping count a couple years ago. And you've done a 50K and a 50 mile. Yes, I've done two 50Ks for sure and two 50 miles. You can't forget those. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> So how was the 50K and the 50 miler? I can't imagine running more. I wanted to do a 50K just to say I was an ultra uh, marathoner, but I haven't done that yet because I was injured. The one I was supposed to do, but I can imagine running 50 miles. Well, first I will say if I can do it, definitely anybody can do it. Um, (laughs) So it was tough. But back then when I did the 50 miler, I was already conditioned. So adding those few extra miles in my mind was nothing until you're physically out there doing it. My 50 miler was a two mile loop. So I had to do that loop a zillion times and it poured down rain my last six miles. But the beauty of that is that um, I felt so accomplished. I couldn't walk for four days, but I felt so accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you did. I felt felt like a, a winner. I don't, you know. 
So I, I did the 50 miles and I, I remember coming home, I went to Houston and I, I went with a friend, but I drove back by myself and I had to stop at the truck stop and take a break, stretch my legs, take a nap. I was done. But for me personally, it was probably one of the most rewarding things that I had done in a very long time. And I don't need to do it again. I don't need to. You do don't it need again. to do it again. You want uh-uh. it done? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> What about a hundred mile? Will you do a hundred mile? You know what? I thought about it, but I, but I'm gonna let somebody else do that. I'm gonna yeah. let the younger generation go ahead and and, and take that. I'm good. <laughs> you see, he's saying no, not him. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him. Not a hundred, Julian. So, how did you start your fitness journey? Was it seeing your mother? I mean, you, since you were a child, you were in a stroller, you know, technically running exactly. <laughs> with the group. <laughs> I can't, I can't remember life, honestly, without it. That's, I just kind of was born into it. My mom always had told me you were in the gym since you were little, either sitting in there in a studio class, in a stroller, on a basketball bench with my dad playing basketball overseas. So fitness has always just kind of been a part of my life. Yeah, it hasn't been anything I had to really adapt to add into my life because it's just always been there. But when you were a kid, what was your favorite sport or uh, what did you love to do the most? When I was a kid, I was definitely playing basketball and soccer the most. I was trying to, between those, I just remember when I was in elementary school, I was going to practices almost every single day, either for basketball or soccer. And bear in mind, I was going to. Yep. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You started playing football. Is that when you left Germany to come back to the States? That's actually when we left California. So we... Started in Germany, came to California until I was nine, and then moved to Texas. And coming to Texas and the football country it is, immediately fell in love once I moved out here, played, and fell in love with it. So what position did you play in football? I played wide receiver and middle linebacker. Okay, so defense and offense. Did you like one more than the other? Definitely, I was more of an offensive player. Loved wide receiver. But you had suffered an injury, is that correct? I did. I actually had reconstructive surgery both of my feet. Um, have a pin and a plate. Actually, a plate and two pins in each of my foot. Was it from an injury? Um, it was more of a chronic issue. I had really bad flat feet, and I was um, starting to get lower back issues at a really young age, and it was concerning. So did you have to stop playing football? I did, yes. I actually never got cleared to play football again, but eventually picked up and went to swimming, and just anything. I'm a super competitive person, so sports wasn't wasn't leaving. That's for sure. So, how did you decide swimming? Were you always a swimmer? I mean, most African Americans is not a big thing. I took swimming lessons, but I couldn't swim as a child. I just learned as an adult. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. Oh, yeah. I thought I could swim until I started triathlon, and then I quickly realized that no, you cannot swim. <laughs> Yeah, I had always been a fan of the water, was never scared of the water. One of my favorite side hobbies is scuba diving. Yeah, you have to swim to pass the certification, yeah. has never been an issue for me, but getting into like the competitive swimming and getting into like real forms and the actual sport side of it was a brand new world when I was doing it for sure. So how old were you when you started doing competitive swimming? I started pretty late. I want to say 15 or 16. 15, around 15. Yeah. His freshman year in high school because okay. he had the, the, the surgery in middle school. Yep. So. Okay. But you progressed in swimming uncompetitive, correct? I did, yes. I will tell you, um, the growth spurt definitely um, helped <laughs> when I hit high school. 
This one for sure. Yeah. What's your favorite stroke? Do you have one? Definitely the 50 free. Anything sprints. I was um, a sprinter for sure. So you progressed to actually teaching swimming as well, correct? I did. Yes. So in high school, I used to teach at a local gym by us and I was a swim instructor for a long time and eventually was the assistant swim coach for their swim team as well. So how old were the, was the kids you, you taught, like small kids? It varied. So I taught from young as two years old to adults. I, my oldest clients was like a six, was 65, I believe. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> so tell me, how did you get into a water polo? And your school had a water polo? Yeah, we actually had a water polo club team. It was actually an option for our swim team. So when swim season's off, we either had the option of going into just training some more in swimming, joining water polo, or actually training for our triathlon team as well. So you had a triathlon team at your school? Yes, ma'am. We actually, it wasn't a team, more of a club. That's interesting because I didn't, as a high school student, I didn't know what triathlons was. Same for me. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, Patrice, how did you get into multi-sport? You, you started running. How did you get into triathlons? I got into triathlon really from the running community. You know, friends within the running community mentioned that, you know, they were doing triathlon and, you know, initially I wasn't interested and they would tell me more about it. And I thought to myself, you know, why not? You know, why not you know, go out here and give it a shot? My, my biggest concern was swimming properly, you know, swimming with form, not doing what I thought was swimming at the time. I registered for an indoor try and I recruited this young man. <laughs> to come out and support me. And it was in a pool at the gym, at the gym where he worked at, and I could touch the bottom. So going into it, I really thought that I could swim. You know, there were the same friends that I met who I learned more about triathlon um, with. They were there also. That's how I, I got back into doing my first try, which was an indoor try with my son. So you said you thought you knew how to swim. Did you take swim lessons as a child or you just kind of thought you knew no, no, I learned the old school way. You know, my uncle threw me in the, the pool and said, survive. So mm -hmm. you survived. And you survived. <laughs> and I survived. I survived. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't learn form or technique, but I knew how to swim and how to survive, you know, at the beach, you know, in the ocean. And I wasn't intimidated by the water by by any means. But yeah, probably not the best approach to teach me, but but I learned. When I took swimming lessons, they Threw us in the deep end. We made it some kind of way to the shallow end, but I don't remember anything <laughs> except hating it and hating getting my hair done. That's all I remember. Yeah, me too. I, definitely relatable. <laughs> definitely relatable. All of the above. <laughs> so how was that first indoor try? My first try was an indoor try, and I remember the guy saying, you know you can walk. I'm like, I'm trying to swim. It's not like I'm going to win the race. <laughs> <laughs> That was me exactly. You know, my first thought was, okay, it's just a pool. And of course, he's this this swimmer, you know, his, you know, co-captaining at the school. And come on, mom, don't embarrass the family. I made an effort to swim the 25, but I found what I now know to be the Tarzan swim. Mm -hmm, yeah. I was, I thought I was doing great things, but I was exhausted. And I said, there's no way I can keep this up. So I started walking and this kid was just laughing me. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> He was, was he racing too? Were you racing too? Was that your first try too? Yes. 
It was my first try after 25 years. I, I'd done a try locally in the military, but honestly, I don't remember exactly what I did. I just know I did it and thought to myself back then, I don't want to do it again. So that was like many, many years ago. But Julian, that wasn't your first try. It was not. Actually, my first try was my freshman year of high school during one of my clubs for swim. So, yeah, I did a triathlon my freshman year. So you were doing it together and he was lapping you. Yes, ma'am. He, he was <laughs> lapping me. Mm-hmm. And I think I was the only walker and that was humbling. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to kill this spike in this, this treadmill. Just just watch out. So, okay. <laughs> so I did redeem myself on the bike and on the treadmill, but that swimming was a force to be reckoned with back then. In season six, I will continue this segment as the doc. If you have any questions or concerns related to muscular skeletal health, please email me at running is cheaper than therapy, OLB at gmail.com. Send me a social media message via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or go to my website at www.weouilife.com. L-I-V-W-E-O-U-I-Love.com. Click on the prompt and leave a voice message. Select messages will be aired and answered. Thank you. So how did you progress from your first indoor try until, I guess, now with all the races you've done? You know, as you can see, my son and I are very close. And I went to him first to give me some instructions, but we quickly learned that that's not going to work. Why wasn't that going to work? (laughs) As a parent to take direction from your child. Okay. (laughs) And vice versa too. My mom tried to teach me how to play the piano. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You don't think it's hard until you're actually in that moment. It's like, Oh my God, I know he means what, but I'm going to kill him. So I joined the master's club club at the same gym and my trainer was actually a friend of my son's a friend of julian's so i worked with him and some joined a club with some other ladies and um and learned how to swim and he would critique me and he critiques me still to this day but (laughs) that's how i learned how to swim properly and it took some months took some time so what was your next race i remember doing i think i signed up for a local sprint yeah. And then after that, I just ended up doing several local sprints after that until I just, I, you know, to improve. And you never know how well you're going to do unless you get out there and do it. So I transitioned from swimming in the pool to swimming in open water and um, just continued signing up, registering and going out there with the group, the clubs of, of ladies and men and until I got proficient in swimming and, and felt comfortable. So how was your transition from the pool to the open water? You know, it didn't really bother me as far as any type of fear or intimidation. Both Jules and I are certified scuba divers, and we've been diving in the middle of the ocean for years. So the water didn't bother me. What really concerned me was initially I tried to use the same pool techniques to swim in the ocean, and it just just doesn't work that way. At least it doesn't work that way for me. So I just had to adapt my swimming method, my breathing, my head rotation, to accommodate the open water vice, the techniques I use in the pool. So it wasn't difficult. Like I said, for some people I talk to, they swim the same exact way. But for me, I realized that I'm not making traction using the same techniques that I use in the pool that I use in open water. So how did you, like, learn 
does different techniques are you just kind of trial and error you realize like this pool swimming is not going to work out here in the ocean or I think in the pool I'm just too comfortable I feel safe I feel like I'm in when I'm in the pool I know that I'm going to hit the wall I can do a flip turn and I can come right back within the ocean you know for the open water you have to sight and so of course that throws off your rhythm and throws off your stroke you know getting my mind adjusted to changing techniques from the pool to open water I think was a real challenge for me. And then initially in open water, I struggled with sighting because I wear glasses and I don't have prescription goggles. So I really had to work on my sighting. I had to work on my technique in open water uh, to, in order to become proficient. And I did okay, but I wasn't moving nearly as fast in open water as I was in the pool. And that's what I really wanted to work on was my speed, at least some, some level of consistency. That's true. And just true. Especially if your sighting is bad, you always wind up doing extra. Oh, yeah. And plus, I can't see anybody. So that doesn't help me. (laughs) (laughs) So, Julian, your first triathlon was your freshman year. How was that experience? I mean, you were an avid swimmer, but uh, did you run and bike as well? Or was that part new and you like expert swimmer? Swimming and running were never really an issue for me. I was always a pretty strong runner because of my mom and just kind of being around her. But biking and cycling was definitely a brand new kind of area for me. Luckily for the sprint that I did, the biking wasn't too long. I think it was only like 12 or 13 miles. So it wasn't too bad. Nothing that I was dreading that I can remember. But I remember that first triathlon being actually pretty easy for me. That was right after swim season for us. I was in pretty good shape. And you know what? I'm reflecting back on that. He was on a hybrid bike. You remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just a natural athlete. I would say I get it from both my parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how many triathlons have you done? I have done two sprints, an indoor, and a 70.3. So four in total. You didn't want to go to the Olympic? You just went from the sprint to the 70.3? <laughs> I did. I I joke about this all the time, but I I think that first triathlon set my mindset off in a, in a different space because I had told my mom, even after seeing her finish a 70.3, seeing her finish a full, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can wake up and I can do a half, like a 70.3, like no training. I think I can just wake up and I'm okay. Oh, really? Did just, you just do it? Yeah, just wake up and go do it. I said, the run wouldn't be an issue. I can swim all day. I would just have to survive the bike. But now that I've done one and I've gone through the training, I was so wrong. So how was the training? Did you train together or do you have a coach? Do you have a plan? How do you guys do it? So we attempted again to work together. Okay. <laughs> and we quickly realized that that's not going to work. So one of the things I share with everyone that ask about training is that it you cannot train and tell your adult child what to do. It's just, it's not good for the relationship. Okay. (laughs) That's my mom plug there. It's not good for the relationship. So we did attempt it and it wasn't bad, but we did bump heads full transparency because I was trying to mom him and coach him, but he's a young adult, you know, he has a mind of his own. So what I ended up doing was talking to my coach and asked her if she'd be willing or have the availability to coach Jules. Yeah, she jumped at the opportunity. So we were coached separately with the same coach. So did y'all do any training together? Yeah, we try to plan out one or two days where 
we swam together or try to go outside and do a ride together. But um, I would say at least once a week, we try to coordinate and train together. So do you train with other people? Do you have a group that you train with outside of you guys training? Or do you do most of your stuff solo? I did most of mine solo or just with her. And I belong to um, Triple Threat Tri Club here in North Texas. And I have other friends and other groups as well. So, you know, I would join in with them, but I primarily train with Triple Threat. Is it a big group, the Triple Threat? It's, it's pretty big. I think there's about 70, 80 members and they have training several times throughout the week. But because of our work schedules and you know, work lives, it's, it's really difficult to break away. So we found it easier a lot of times just to train together or train independently. That makes sense. So how many 70.3s in sprints and you've done one or how many full distance Ironmans have you done? For me? Three. I've done several sprints. Honestly, I don't remember how many I've done so far, but it's a lot, probably 20, maybe even more than that. I've done a handful of Olympics. I've done three 70.3s and a full. Which 70.3s have you done? My first 70.3 was Florida. 70.3. I also did Kona 70.3. Uh, I did BNF on the run. I, I collapsed at mile seven, unfortunately. And then I just recently did North Carolina with, with Jules. And then I did full um, the full Ironman in Florida. And I did that six months after I did the half. I figured I'm in shape. I'm motivated. I'm inspired. Go ahead and continue the training and get this full done because you may never do it again. So <laughs> you won't do another one? You want it done? Ooh, ooh, I don't know. I think about it and I, I think it sounds good when I think about it, but then I contemplate on the training, you know, the time, the money. It's hard for me to commit. But one of the things I did tell Jules is that if he decides to do a full before I turn 55, then I will accompany him. Why 55? Why is that your cutoff? Because I'm old. They have age grouper from six. I have a friend who did her first full distance at age 63, I think it was. Oh, I know. It's just, you know, the the commitment is a lot. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. The commitment is a lot. And I think that is the hard part for me. You know, working a full-time job, being a business owner, it's a lot to commit to that amount of training. That's the hard part. Physically and mentally, do I think I can do it? Do I have the time and am I willing to commit the time? I think that's my challenge. I understand. Tell me about your 70.3. Which one was your favorite and why? North Carolina was my favorite because I got to share the journey with my one and only. Tell me about your full. Tell me about Florida. I've heard good and bad things about that race. You know, it depends on the year, of course. Well, I'm a promoter of it. I will tell you, I had the best experience that I could ever imagine. I did train hard. I trained hard. I trained well. And I certainly don't want to sound arrogant, but I came I came to the start line ready to knock it out, ready to do it. And that level of confidence made for a pleasant, wonderful, amazing day for me. So I had a, a decent swim. There was the water calm that day or was it really choppy? Oh my gosh, it was flat as a pancake. Now, mind you, when I got there three days before, I said, there's no way I'm getting in there. If it's like that on race day, I won't be swimming. So, you know, the planets aligned and we woke up that morning and it was flat as a pancake. And I said, girl, do what you do. He was there. He was my Sherpa. It was just an amazing, amazing day. The 
The bike course was, of course, long. It's a full, but it wasn't very windy. It wasn't extremely challenging. Didn't have a lot of heels. Now, the run was difficult for me mentally because it's two loops. So when you come back in after running at 13, you know, 0.1 miles and you hear everybody screaming and yelling and you got to go back out. Mentally, it was challenging for me to just kind of get my mind wrapped around. It's dark now. You are getting fatigued and you have another 13 miles to run. So I just dialed in and said, you know what? You're going to make the magic happen. You've come this far and we're going to get it done. So were you very proud of your mom? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Now that, watching her cross the, the full finish was, was awesome for me, too, because I saw how hard she had trained for that one. So after that, what made you decide, I'm going to do a 70.3 with my mother? I mean, how did you guys determine you were going to do 70.3 North Carolina together? Definitely after Kona. Watching my mom in Kona and after that whole experience, her just letting me know. She didn't know if she wanted to do another one, another full one or half. If she was just thinking about doing relays and something like that. So I knew if I was going to do one with my mom, it was going to have to be sooner than later wasn't too long after that I went up to her and I said okay I guess I'll do a full let's let's go do it you know that's still at the time where I can think I thought I could just wake up and go do it so I was like yeah you can pick the place the time just you know just let me know I'll be there right and then that's when she finally picked North Carolina she had a she had some other friends that she knew were going to be there for a support group as well so that was a, it was a good time and I think you mentioned full first you went a half oh half yes, I'm half. yes a half so tell me about the experience in details, and that was your first 70.3. That one was a humbling experience for me, for sure. When um, like getting into the water, the swim was perfect for me. I couldn't complain about my swim. It was a calm, and the current was in our favor. So wasn't too many complaints on the swim. Felt really comfortable there. And then getting to the bike, my biggest fear was getting a flat tire on the race. That was like my biggest fear. I know how to change it, but I don't know how to change it quickly that was my only worry getting onto the bike and then eventually getting onto the bike that was definitely my hardest of them all you advanced from your hybrid though did you exactly move yes <laughs> I, did. I did advance from my hybrid i did my mom luckily helped me invest into a really good bike so. what kind of bike did you have Quantaru. so did you enjoy the bike though was it hilly they said it was flat I wouldn't have called it flat, um, personally. So that one was for sure the toughest mental part for me, just being like, don't get a flat tire. Just You got to just keep moving forward. If you can get to the run, you'll be fine. Okay. And how was the run? Was it flat or no? The run was definitely not flat either. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that first three miles is definitely a lot of uphill. Was the, But the run wasn't bad. Started to cramp in the middle of it. I think my adrenaline and just excitement of knowing that I was going to finish my first definitely helped me push through it and just get it done. So did you guys kind of race together or were you just like, I'll see you at the finish line when you started? Or I was in a different mode. I was like, I will see you at the finish line. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, had, I was strictly focused on survival. Peace out, mom. Yeah, I, this was a, I can have a conversation with you during the race. And this was survival tactics. So you were in the zone. I was, yes. Now we started out together. So we went out to and got what dropped off our nutrition, the bags, all the good stuff, met up with the, the fast chicks, you know, the wonderful ladies. And then from there, you know, we got out there to the staging area and he mom 
hugs, mom, I'm gone. You know, I'll, I'll see you at the finish line. So, <laughs> so who finished first? I did. And did you wait for your mom at the finish line? Of course. Yeah. Definitely. Wait for my mom at the finish line. <laughs> he better have waited for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I only came across that finish line, this jumper would have been changed. His mama would have been hot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So how was that experience though? Mom, son, I don't think I'm, well, I know one father, daughter, they raced together. Um, I think it was Ironman, Texas. How was that experience racing together? For me, it was a great experience, to be honest. You know, I laugh and joke about the training. You know, that was a good experience for us as well. We learned a lot about each other throughout the training process. And I learned more about my son as an adult outside of my home. But as far as um, from a mother's perspective on the course, I was just so proud. I was proud of him, number one, for approaching me and wanting to take on something so challenging. And some of the words he shared with me, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing, is that how proud he was of me and how much of an example I had been to him throughout his life. And I didn't really know he was paying attention as an adult. So that was heartwarming for me. And it just made me continue to be proud of of him and the young man that he's grown up to be. And sharing the course, you know, I, I don't even have words to express how I felt. It was very emotional, um, especially seeing him on the course and we had our matching kits on. It just made me a proud mom to know that my child at 23 year old is still interested in doing things with his mother. So that meant the world to me. Oh, I find you both inspirational. My mother, I love her, um, may she rest in peace, but my mother, although she made me active because she wasn't the healthiest person, I said, when I get older, I don't, she used to take all these medications. And I said, when I get older, I don't want to have to take any medicine other than vitamins. So that's how I kind of got into running and triathlons and just being active and I enjoy it. But I love the fact that you guys are active. I always try to get my brother and my family to race and run with me. And I even, I'm from Mississippi. I went home and everybody was supposed to run a race with me. No one did. So, but, I've been there. I've been there. I know. Mm-hmm. Been there. But I, I appreciate the fact that it also helps the next generation because I think that's how we especially as African-Americans, which generally aren't the healthiest, is to inspire the next generation to continue to move. And, and it's fun. And, and families can do triathlons and just instead of, you know, just have a picnic and eat or j- just anything that promotes health and wellness. And it's fun. It's a nice bond. And Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. So you guys inspire me. When are you guys doing the full together? Yeah. <laughs> to be continued? Yeah. Continue. What about another 70.3? Are you going to do another 70.3? I think I'm at the point where if I were to do one, I'd probably be the four next. Okay. You heard it live. You heard it live. Okay. <laughs> so are you going to do it with them? Are you going to, are you going to take back Ooh. that one and done? Again, I'm still in that, that window of time here for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Refer back to that that window of but time. You know, so, but you can do it past fifty five. I can. You know, I know I can. I just don't know if I have that willingness to do it. So I'm gonna let him think about you know, it. When you have more time, see, so when you get older, like my friend, when she started doing triathlons, the full distance, she had retired, so she had time to train. 
That, that's a, She's that's gonna a valid point. She's going to retire and be at every Iron Man possible, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it'll be okay. He's already trying to give me up. Mom, you got to go work for Iron Man. You yeah. really, when you retire, I'm like, Jules, you know, let, let me enjoy my retirement. <laughs> be good we need more of us involved in the in the process absolutely but it doesn't have to be me but yes we do (laughs) (laughs) but i think you would be great i'm just okay i feel like i'm i feel like i'm being double teamed right now (laughs) part of my podcast is to feature guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line can you both tell me about an obstacle whether it be running triathlons or just in life that you've had to overcome yeah, I would say mine was definitely going to be just the pain management for my feet, especially doing distance. I was a decent runner, but I had never trained to run this far this often. Going through that and not knowing how my feet were going to react to that many miles on them and going through different socks, different shoes, and just kind of seeing what I needed to do for recovery. And for that whole thing, I think that was definitely my biggest hurdle through the entire race. So did you have a lot of pain or did you kind of learn how to manage it with the different shoes? I would say during the training I did, because that's when I was learning how to manage it. But um, luckily, once I got to race day, that was the one where I was just, I knew what I needed to do to stay comfortable throughout my whole race. So I was able to maintain that. And for me, I think my my greatest challenge is just time. You know, physically, you know, I, I did have some issues. I had a hip issue that I had to overcome um, with physical therapy. So I was a little bit concerned about that for North Carolina. But with physical therapy, I felt great, you know, a month or two even before the race. But again, my greatest challenge based upon my career and my, my business is just time, you know, making the time or finding the time to truly commit to training. So how do you manage that? How did you manage that? You know, I, this one thing I tell a lot of people is that just like we schedule meetings, I had to schedule time for myself. And just like we're committed to attending and participating in meetings because that's generally our source of income, we have to do those things. I shifted my mindset to say that this is something I have to do for me. If I want to be successful on race day, I have to do these things. And so I, I pinned it in. I didn't pencil it in. I pinned it in my daily uh, schedule that if whatever my coach gave me on training peaks, I physically wrote it on my agenda so that I knew that this is something that I had to do. And it's a gift to myself. I give my workplace a lot of me. You know, I give them a lot of my time, you know, 10 hours a day, 11 hours a day. And it's important for me to invest some time into myself and make that a priority as well. If an adult Petrice could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? To make myself a priority. Yes. I think throughout life, I spent a lot of time placing everyone else's needs in front of mine and not really making myself a priority. I am a servant leader. My son knows that. I want to help everyone. probably want to save the world. And oftentimes I, I put myself second and sometimes third. So I would say you know, finding space to make myself a priority. That's true. I think it's hard for most women to do that, particularly if you have a family. I think we're, we're natural born providers and caregivers, but I think there have been opportunities in my life where I probably should have backed off and and took better care of myself along my journey. Great advice. Same question for you. I know you're younger, but... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Um... (laughs) What would you say? What advice are you? Right. In 23 years, what would you... (laughs) That's a good question. 
feel like mine would, mine would, mine would be like, just enjoy not paying rent. That. <laughs> True. That. That's true. You really don't appreciate it. <laughs> That's my biggest one right now. I can't. I can't. Stay home. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah. any last minute words of advice for my listeners, Patrice or Julian? I would just say, you know, this has been a great opportunity for, again, my son and I to connect. It's the first big thing we've done since he's moved out of the house, what, two, what, two, two and a half years ago. And for me as a mother, although we had some bumps in the journey, I would say to parents to embrace and engage your children and to capitalize on the opportunities to create memories, um, even if they're outside the norm, and to continue to, to love on your children I'm at the same time respecting their boundaries as young adults. Enjoy the journey together. So my son is a blessing to me. And like I said, throughout this entire journey, we learned a lot about each other. And while we didn't always see eye to eye, I think our bond grew stronger through this journey. I have a question for you, particularly. Because I know a lot of triathlon is, um, I guess, more older. You say 30s, 40s, 50s. Not a lot of people your age, particularly African-Americans, do you have any words of advice to get more people, I guess, your age involved in the sport? I would say if you think about it, you can just go do it. That's a big thing, I think, especially when it comes to triathlons and a lot of these sports is that there isn't the same path of just kind of joining like you would a team. It's just kind of an individual thing where you can go and you find the community that also does it and you become that team, right? And I think that's the biggest kind of jump that if you have an interest of something that's kind of out of the norm, it seems extreme, I would just say, just go for it. Especially while you're young. You have nothing to lose. True. Particularly while you're young. Because I think I would have been a better athlete if I would have started. So I need aches and pains. <laughs> yes. I agree with you. And that's, I, I totally agree with you. And it falls back to what I was saying about making myself a priority. You know, I thought about triathlon many times that I had everything else to do, but I agree. If I would have started a long time ago, I might be a rock star. <laughs> so where can people find you if, if you want to be found social media um yeah at probably my social media on instagram my instagram is julian underscore c and i'm miss trice miss ms underscore t-r-i-e-c-e on instagram or patrice coperson on facebook well i thank you both for joining me today i really appreciate it this was my first my <laughs> Mother and son duo. <laughs> I've had a couple interviewed before, but never a mother son duo. So I appreciate it. Well, well thank you for having us. And it's been a joy to, to share our journey. Yes, thank you. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love.
Oh, you are life. Oh, you are love. Thank you, and please tune in again.